Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... We're good people compared to one another. But God says the comparison is to me, to his holiness, to his purity, to his son. That's why we all need to have our sins forgiven by Jesus. And we need to have God's holiness given to us when we put our trust in him. Mary is simply telling us that God extends mercy to the humble. In this busy Christmas season, it's very easy to take our eyes off the reason for the season. Before the first Christmas, a young girl named Mary, who would be the mother of baby Jesus, has a lot to teach us about preparing our hearts for the coming King. She did not just think about the Savior King, she magnified Him in her heart. That prepared her for a difficult first Christmas and the difficulties in the years to follow. So let's all take a moment to listen to her in Luke chapter 1, in the conclusion of a message entitled, a magnified Christmas. Here's Pastor Jim. Now, this is one of the many reasons why we study the scriptures, because it helps keep our thoughts of God true. Now, before you say, well, duh, Pastor Jim, that's not an easy task in the United States of America, because you see people all the time who are on television or on media, on YouTube and stuff like that, giving you all these opinions about Jesus that are contrary to what Jesus himself said about himself and to what his followers said. We live in a country where religion is like an opinion, you know? You can just have whatever opinion you have and, and whatever you think is fine, that's what's fine. But why is truth so important? Well, for a Christian, I would say this. I think a lot of times it's easy easy for us to commit what I call the sin of smallness. Everything is so overwhelming. Everything is so difficult. Everything is so hard. It doesn't seem like anything is going right in our lives. And what do we do? We make God small in our hearts. He's still the same. He's still the way he is, but we've allowed all of the trials and tribulations of life, we've allowed all of the problems of life make him small with inside of us. And Mary's like, I'm not going to do that. Let them say what they will say. Let them talk behind my back the rest of my life. But I know that God has given me something to do, and I'm going to do it. No, Mary does not have the sin of smallness. Look at verse 47. She says, And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Well, what does it mean to be blessed? In the Bible, it really simply means that you are the object of God's special favor, that you are someone who God has smiled upon, Mary continues to rejoice in what we might call unexpected grace. She continues to rejoice in what we might call undeserved favor. But notice what Mary says and what Mary shows us. It's all grounded in the fact that the Christmas child is also 
her words, not mine, God, my Savior. She knows that this Christmas child is to be God, her rescuer. And see, what does magnifying the Lord do for her? Magnifying the Lord causes her to see herself in need of a Savior and to see herself as the Lord's maidservant. Mary realizes that she is a servant of the Savior King. Now you say, Pastor Jim, how do you know that the Savior is Jesus? Well, when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant and he really wasn't sure what to do about this, he, and he thought about, he, the Bible tells us he was going to break up with her. We're told this, Matthew 1, 20 through 21. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. You say, okay, Pastor Jim, that's, that's Matthew. That's what he thinks. How do you know that's what Mary was talking about? And how do you know that's what Luke was talking about? Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, the first Christmas, shepherds are out in the field. And it says this, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Now, everybody needs to come back for a second. I know you're thinking Charlie Brown Christmas. That's Lioness's gig. He gave that speech, and, but he was just quoting the Bible. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. The Savior, Christ the Lord. See, it's easy for us to think about Mary in terms of the way a lot of people think of her today that, well, you know, Mary, by being the mother of God, my goodness, imagine the prestige. Mary would say, I knew nothing of that. I knew there was a lot of people that loved my son, but I knew there was a lot of people who hated my son. And 33 years after I birthed him, I had to watch him be killed on a cross. And at the end of the day, you know what he was killed for in her eyes? For being good. For being good. For telling people the truth. The truth that they didn't want to hear. Other people would say that, well, she gets a lot of power by being God's mother. But uh, <laughs> she would say, that's all silliness. I had no power. I was born a poor girl. I died a poor girl. It was always the same for me. No, I think one of the gifts that she got was the gift of service. God called her to do something far beyond what the normal teenage girl of that area would have done at the time. God called her to serve as the maidservant of the Lord. That, that's very hard to see when it's all about you. You can only see that when, you're, when your heart is magnifying the Lord. When you magnify the Lord in your heart, you realize there's an important thing that you bless people when you receive something from the Lord and you pass it on to others. And here this young girl knows that she has received tremendous blessing from the Lord, but she will have to share her little boy with the world. It won't be easy, 
and it will be a painful thing for her to watch. Like Mary, you too today, the Lord holds out the gift of a savior to you. The Lord holds out a gift of service to the Lord to you. It is simply yours to grab a hold of, to grab a hold of it and receive it by faith. Now, some people think, oh, service, that's got to be a burden, but not for Mary at all because she has such a grateful heart, verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy. Great Old Testament word, the Hebrew word hesed, hesed, great word, sometimes some Bible versions and his translated and his steadfast love or and his loving kindness and his mercy is on. Who is God's mercy on? Who, who receives his steadfast love? Who receives his uh, loving kindness? It's on those who fear him. Now you say to yourself, well, maybe that was just back then. We're civilized people. It's much different now. No, not at all. It says, she says, from generation to generation. Isn't it amazing that here we have a godly young woman who is blessed to carry God in her womb, and yet still she knows that she needs the Lord's mercy. What she's doing here is she's quoting Psalm 103, 17, and she qualifies for us, as the psalmist does, who receives God's mercy. It's those who fear him. It's those who put their trust in him. That is not being a religious phony. Heaven will not be populated with religious phonies. They're not going to make it in the front door. Jesus is going to have a lot to say about that as next year we continue our studies in the Gospel of Matthew when we see Jesus and religious people is just not a great mixture, is it? He's constantly fighting with those guys and they can't stand him. No, those who fear him are, are those whose hearts and mind are filled with a genuine, reverent regard for God. Those whose hearts and mind are filled with a genuine love for God, those are the people who receive his mercy. Notice in between God's power and God's mercy here, uh, she says, holy is his name. What does it mean to be holy? It means to be separate. It means to be set apart. It needs, it means to be sinless. In other words, the creator God, the savior king is like no other. He is powerful and yet he is pure. You see, the thing is a lot of people will walk around and they'll say, well, listen, God is okay with me. I'm a good person. And you know what? You might be compared to the rest of us. But like I always say, don't get a big head. The competition's not so swift. It's like when you play sports and you, and you beat the worst team. You're like, oh, we trounced them. And everybody's like, we're not impressed. Everybody trounced them. You see, we're good people compared to one another. But God says the comparison is to me, to his holiness, to his purity, to his son. That's why we all need to have our sins forgiven by Jesus. And we need to have God's holiness given to us when we put our trust in him. Mary is simply telling us that God extends mercy to the humble. Friends, please listen to this very carefully. 
Men especially, please listen to this. Humility is not weakness. Humility is simply knowing who you are. And a humble man knows, and a humble woman knows, that they cannot stand before a holy and powerful God without a Savior. In the next verses, uh, Mary will tell us that those without a Savior, it's interesting how God views them. All the people running around saying that they're going to heaven because they're good people or because heaven would want somebody like them or something like that, God actually says he views those people as proud. Proud. And Mary goes on to say that such people will be scattered. They will be put down. And eventually they will be sent away by God. Now the offer of of God's love and mercy is a very, very positive message. People love it. You talk to people about God loving everybody and forgiving everybody, and people are so into it until you tell them that that love and that mercy and that forgiveness also makes somewhat of a demand on your life, that that God would like you to live a certain way. And while that message of God's love and mercy and forgiveness is so positive, the scripture is always so faithful to warn us of the danger of refusing it. It is very, very dangerous, the scripture teaches, to refuse God's offer of love and forgiveness and mercy. And historically speaking, from a faith standpoint, our country in the past 50 to 100 years has lived through somewhat of an interesting time. Some of you are older. You define what that means. Those of you who are older lived through a church age where there was a lot of emphasis on what will happen to you if you don't follow God. And you became afraid. Some of you, even at an older age, we talked about this a few weeks ago, are still trying to shake the fact that God, trying, still trying to grasp the fact that God loves you. You can't really take that in. Or you still think God is so disappointed in you that God doesn't really care much about you. And he'd be just as fine if the world didn't have you. It doesn't really matter because you've been taught that you're such a worthless sinner in God's eyes that what's the point? Well, loved ones, let me speak something to you. God thought you were so worthwhile he sent his son to die for you. And forget those stupid preachers who thought by making you feel guilty they could get you to do something instead of motivating you by grace and by love to receive Jesus Christ and to serve him with everything you have until you see his face. But when you flip that coin over, there's always a trouble when you only view life on one side of the coin. Those of you who are younger have lived in a generation where the fact that there is a negative side, there are consequences for not following Jesus, that has largely been ignored. So you've been told, well, God loves you. He thinks you're awesome. Everybody thinks you're awesome. In fact, join our sports team. And no matter whether you win or lose, you get a trophy. You know why? Because you're awesome. And that's the message we've told people. You know, I've been part of uh, leagues. One one year I coached a girls' team and a boys' team. One of my team was undefeated. One of my teams was winless. 
And guess what? We all got the same award because that's what we've been told, that there's no consequences for anything. And the Bible comes along and says, yes, the, the, the offer of God is great. It is wonderful. But there are consequences for failing to, re to receive Christ's forgiveness. There are consequences for rejecting God's love. As we often say around here, you can choose your own path, but you cannot choose the destination. You can choose to walk down a path away from God, but you cannot choose where that path ends. You can choose your life to live your life however you want. God allows you to do that, but you cannot choose the consequences. God himself chooses the consequences. So you wonder, what, what would God do with us? What would God do with the world that just seems to, even in the church, mess up his message, turn on the news, we're messing everything up? Everything just seems so unsettled, so out of control. The good news is that God, in his great love, sent Jesus. Instead of expecting us to come to him, God, sent, God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. The mighty one of heaven, the king of the cosmos, became lowly and took on the form of a servant. Instead of God being fed up with us and turning away from us and ignoring us because of our sinful choices and our unholiness, God turned to us in Jesus Christ. We've said before that in this generation, a lot of people want to ignore the consequences of sin of going your own way, of ignoring God. All you have to do is look at the cross. Look at the cross if you think that God doesn't care about sin and you will see how God cares about sin. Look at the cross if you think God doesn't love you and you will see how much God loves you. For this woman, this young girl, 33 years later, she will have to watch her son die on a cross. We have ignored God, and on the cross, God the Father ignored Jesus. We are an unholy people compared to God, and on the cross, the Holy One received no mercy. We are sinners, and on the cross, Jesus absorbed all of our sin, all of our shame, and all of our sorrow. Mary's Christmas baby lived a perfect life in your place and in my place. Mary's Christmas baby died on the cross in your place and in my place and offers the forgiveness of sins and eternal life to anyone, absolutely anyone, who will turn to God, admit they have lived apart from him, turn to God, and put their trust in God's provision for heaven, Jesus Christ. And then the scriptures tell us he sends the Holy Spirit into our hearts. Yet if Jesus is not in your heart, your heart cannot magnify him. If Jesus is not in your soul, your soul cannot magnify him. But there's another thing that those of us who are Christians have to be careful of. We can also, I'll make up some words, unmagnify him or demagnify him. Have you noticed it's often the combination of small thoughts about Jesus plus high thoughts of ourselves 
especially in including our problems that rob us of our joy? Even if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you know that problems and situations just seem to suck the life out of you. Now, for a non-Christian, that is something to point you to the fact that there must be more to this life, that you need God in your life. You need Jesus Christ. But for those of us who are Christians, it's, it's so easy to take off the 1.75s where you're seeing clearly and put on the 1.25s and then the 1.0s and then taking off the glasses of the gospel completely where you're just kind of going on your own steam and your own thing. You begin to look at life through the lens of yourself. And as you do that, God becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And your problems become bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually, if you're not careful, God goes from being virtually powerless in your own life to being non-existent. And we all know this, whether we're Christian or not, that when you're mad, when you're hurt, when you're hopeless, when you are unsettled, it is so easy to make bad choices, isn't it? It is so easy to do stupid things. It is so easy to make prideful choices. And for the Christian, those things rob the Savior King of our allegiance, and life just becomes a burden. We're going through the motions in a joyless existence. True joy, true freedom is found in a vibrant relationship with God. And we come to God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We come to God through faith in the Savior King, Jesus John the Baptist said these words in a different context. He must increase, but I must decrease. It is by magnifying the Lord, it is by making him greater in our hearts and minds that he comes close to us. And when he comes close to us, my experience anyway is life becomes somewhat doable. Life becomes manageable. In fact, maybe some of your goals become attainable. It is by magnifying Jesus that our problems seem smaller. Not because they go away. Not because we don't have to be responsible to handle them. In fact, I would argue for us it's the exact opposite. We become more responsible than the rest of the world. But when we magnify Jesus, our problems seem smaller because we are comparing them to our great and glorious King. We look, at our, we look at our life through the lens of being his children, and we're no longer so overwhelmed. We're no longer so unsettled. We're standing on the rock. We're stable because we know that we are children of this wonderful, great, and glorious King. So I only have one thing left to say to you, my dear friends. I wish you all a merry, merry Christmas. 
But much more than that, I wish you all a very, very magnified Christmas. May we all magnify the Lord in our heart. Thank you, Jesus. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Thank you for listening to Change by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? Changedbyloveradio.com That's changedbyloveradio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or to request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray that you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching through God's Word with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.